Welcome, everybody. Thanks for being back today. Hope your uh, December is full of joy and uh, wonderful things uh, as you're getting ready for Christmas two weeks from Christmas Eve. Uh, today. Before we jump into the message, just a real quick thank you to those who helped with our empty stocking project. Uh, we moved 250 food boxes out the door in about an hour and 20 minutes yesterday. It was phenomenal. The ones walking slowly and a little bent over this morning, they're the ones who helped. They're very easy to identify. I know some of you came after the last box had gone and you were fully intending to make a delivery. Thank you for showing up and uh, being patient with us because it went smooth, smoother and faster than it has ever gone before. So from the very beginning of the project until yesterday, thank you to everybody who pitched in uh, and made that possible for us to serve Walton County and people who are in need. We are continuing uh, with our uh, renovation of the children's ministry area. It is moving very quickly. If you parked in the back and walked up, you notice there are two doors that are bay doors that are gone and been replaced with windows, and it looks great. They have paper over the inside because they're doing more work, obviously, on the inside. They don't mess, mess them up uh, while they're doing work, but those look fantastic. The inside's looking great. We're going to be able to take some tours here. Uh, if you missed out a couple of weeks ago when we did that we'll be able to take some more tours here in another week or so uh, if you have given or if you're praying about giving to our christmas offering the 2023 christmas offering goes 100 percent to helping us pay cash for all of that renovation uh, we have yeah the red is kind of what we already had had already been given over last year's christmas offering and people who have given throughout the year the green is kind of where we're making progress on this year's Christmas offering. I mentioned last week, if you weren't here, it comes out to $110 per square foot. So if you just want to use that as a gauge to pray about and how many square feet God's leading you to uh, pay for in our new renovation area. Obviously, that area is going to be for our children, but it's going to free up the current children's worship area for our students, and then it's going to free up some of the rooms in the front for adults and uh, community groups, small groups, hospitality type of ministries as well around our building. So everybody's going to benefit from this, and we're looking forward to seeing uh, what it looks like when it is all finished. Okay, we're at Christmas at the movies. If there is a word that I most associate with Christmas this doesn't have to be your word you can have your own word feel free to have your own word the word that I associate most with Christmas is the word joy right everything about Christmas to me screams joy the decorations the lights the bright colored uh, wrapping paper uh, Christmas trees the what we wear like Christmas clothes Everything about Christmas to me screams joy. My favorite meme so far could change in the next two weeks, but my favorite meme so far is this one that says Christmas decor isn't meant to be sleek and minimalist and is supposed to look like joy threw up in your house. Yes, like, I, yes, that is what Christmas is supposed to look like. Like joy threw up in your house, in your life, all over you. Christmas is about joy. It's about celebrating. It is about good news. The Savior has come. You remember the story of the wise men. They see the star. It guides them to the place of the child. They make a pit stop by Herod's palace, have a conversation with him. 
And then they begin to move toward the place of the star, and Matthew tells it like this. I'm going to read it from the King James first, and then, then I'll throw in the NIV in just a second. The King James says it this way, Matthew 2, 9, and 10. When they had heard, when they had, uh, heard the king, in other words, they had this conversation with him, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Not a little bit of joy, not contained joy, exceeding great joy. The NIV translates it as they were overjoyed. This is the season of over, isn't it? It's a Christmas season of over. You are overscheduled. You are overcommitted. Some of you are over budget already. We're going to overeat, right? It's the season of over. We go overboard at Christmas. Some of you are over it already. And the rest of you, many of you who are not over it already, about 10 days from now, you're going to be over it. This is a season of over, but if you want a positive over, the positive over is be overjoyed exceeding great joy the word uh, great in the in the greek in the new testament it comes from the word megas like we would say mega mega joy the the wise men had exceeding mega huge incredible joy they were over joy that's christmas right that's what i think of when i think about Christmas, exceeding joy, overjoyed. A Savior has come. Our sins can be forgiven. We can know God, our Creator, because the Messiah has come to us. And yes, Paul, for a variety of reasons, it's not joyful for everybody every year. If that's you, if you're, if you're experiencing a difficult Christmas season and you weren't here for the first two weeks, I encourage you, go back and listen to those two weeks because we, we touched on some of that in the first two weeks. But we need to spend at least one Sunday or two Sundays or three Sundays on the fact that Christmas is about joy. Last week for our, our movie selection we had to go all the way back to 1946 to grab a classic. It's A Wonderful Life. We don't have to go back quite as far this week. Uh, some movies become classics because they're really, really old and they somehow had staying power. So we keep watching them, even though it, it started in 1946. It's A Wonderful Life. We keep watching it year after year after year. Some movies become classics because they're old and they hang around. Some movies become classics almost immediately. They almost immediately become a part of our Christmas language, of our Christmas celebration. The movie for today is not, it was not from 1946, it's from 2003. This is actually the 20th anniversary of this movie. It is the movie Elf starring Will Ferrell. How many of you love Elf? The rest of you need to get right with Jesus, all right? <laughs> If you haven't seen Elf, uh, beginning of the movie, it's Christmas Eve. Buddy, the elf, is a baby. He's in a crib in an orphanage, crawls out of the crib into Santa's bag. Santa doesn't know it, takes him back to the North Pole where they discover that Buddy, the baby, is in Santa's bag. So they, they can't take him back at that point. 
Papa Elf, played by Bob Newhart. Uh, Papa Elf steps forward and decides that he will raise Buddy as his own son. But as he grows up, obviously he's not an elf, and so he's much bigger than the rest of the elves, which creates problems. Not only that, he's not very good at being an elf. And so Papa Elf finally tells him the story of his history and says, you actually have a father in New York City. Here's a picture. He works in the Empire State Building. And so, of course, Buddy the Elf travels through the seven levels of the candy cane forest, through the sea of swirly twirly gumdrops, and walks right through the Lincoln Tunnel. And then this happens. And every time it rains, it rains. Panthers from heaven. Don't you know each cloud contains banners from heaven? You'll find your fortune falling all over town. Be shining your umbrella is up, 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 upside down and trading for a package of sunshine and ravioli. Macaroni! If you want the thing you love, you did it! Congratulations! World's best cup of coffee. Great job, everybody. It's great to meet you. Hi. Now come over here, boy. Sam, and every time it rains, it rains. And don't you know it's confidence? Every time it rains, it rains. And don't you know it's confidence? Sit. All of a time, all of a time, all of a time. Thank you. Thank you. Let's just say one of the best Christmas movies ever. One of the best Christmas movies ever. Hands down, don't argue with me, you're wrong. <laughs> because of its that whimsical, joyful, uh, um, un, unbothered, untethered a little bit, spirit of spontaneity, of being able to enjoy what's right in front of him. It... it, it all of us have, I think, a little part of us that wants that, right? Some of us are far too reserved and refined. We'll talk about that later. But some of us, we just, we hold it in. We keep it close to the vest. But I think even the most introverted, staid personality, come on, there's a little bit of you that would like the authenticity, the ability to just be in your own skin in the way that Buddy is and not worried about what everybody else is thinking. We just kind of want that, right? Some of us are pretty close to that occasionally, but I think there's at least some part of all of us. We really want that. 
Now, for, for all of kind of the, kind of the over-the-top parts of this movie, right, the funny parts, they're kind of over, over the top just a little bit. The one downside, I would say, if there is a downside, the one little bitty downside to this is that it, it can cause us to forget in all of the fun and, and all of the whimsy of the movie that joy is really serious business. Joy is serious business. Like the, the need for joy, the fact that you and I need to experience it, and we need to experience it regularly. It's not secondary. It's not fluff. It's not the thing you do when you finish everything else. It's not what the irresponsible people do while, while the responsible people keep working. Okay, sometimes we look at joy and we think, okay, that's the secondary thing. That's the not as important thing. Joy is serious business. You need it in your life. Nehemiah chapter 8, over in the Old Testament, if you want to follow along, kind of chronologically what's happened in the Bible is uh, God's people have been uh, taken away from Jerusalem, Israel, their home, and they are captives in Babylon. It's kind of a major turning point in the Old Testament. They're conquered, overcome by the Babylonians, taken away into captivity, and then when the Persians defeat the Babylonians, they begin allowing uh, the Jewish people to go back to their homeland. Nehemiah goes back to Jerusalem with one of these waves of groups that goes back to repopulate Jerusalem. And when he gets there, the city's kind of in ruin because they left it right after a battle and they were taken captive. And so things are messed up. The wall in particular, the defensive wall around the city is broken down. And so Nehemiah leads an effort to restore the wall, rebuild the wall. They get it rebuilt. They have a worship service to celebrate. And this is what happens in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 9. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra, the priest, teacher of the law, and the Levites, the Levites were the worship leaders uh, of the day, who were instructing the people, said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is our strength. They're worshiping. It's a holy day. And Nehemiah says, this worship service is not going to be solemn. Your response to what happened is not going to be to be quiet. It's not going to be to mourn about what you don't have or what we've lost. We're going to press pause on all of that, and you're to be happy. You're to celebrate. Find some good food, find some sweet drinks, find, find some people to hang out with, and this is going to be a day of joy. There are services where we should mourn, where we should repent, where we should weep over brokenness in the world, but there are also times, and Nehemiah demonstrates this, you and I have to carve out intentional moments where we're going to push all of that back. It's not that it goes away. It's not that hard stuff disappears. It's still there. We're just intentional about pausing our thoughts on that and allowing ourselves to experience joy. In this sense, joy is an intentional act. It's something you do. It's not just an emotion that you feel, although there is some of that. 
It's not just a personality type. It's not just, oh, well, they're that way. I'm not that way. Joy, at times, is a very intentional act. Nehemiah's command is, you've got to choose to do this. You have to press pause on the things that are bothering you, trying to get your attention. You can come back to those later. He's not telling us to ignore those. The hard stuff will be there later. Reality, or whatever you want to call it, will be there later. But right now, let's recognize what we have to be joyful about. And everything wasn't completed, by the way. The wall was completed, but homes were still in ruin. We know from other books of the Bible, the temple wasn't completed yet. There was still plenty of work to do. Some of us have that tension. Some of us have that tension of, we'll party when the work is done. We'll have a good time once we get to the bottom of our to-do list. But most of us have lived long enough to know that stuff keeps getting added to the to-do list, doesn't it? Hard stuff keeps coming. Hard decisions keep coming. Life keeps coming. And if you approach life and if you approach joy from the perspective of once I finish the serious stuff, then I'll have joy, you're never going to get to this. Nehemiah is this wonderful example of you and I need a practice. Some would call it a discipline. So you and I need a practice of regularly pausing all the stuff in our life and saying, I'm going to experience joy. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to celebrate the stuff that is right in front of us because here's why it's so important. Nehemiah says, that's your strength. That's where strength comes from. That's where encouragement and life and hope, that's what gets you through all the hard stuff. Notice he didn't say solving all your problems is your strength. He didn't say fixing all the hard stuff in your life is your strength. He didn't even say finishing all of your work is your strength. He said, no, joy is your strength. And sometimes you have to choose to experience joy in the middle of all the other things that you're going through or else you'll never know that level of strength. You'll never know that level of goodness. So some of us, some of us may just have to give ourselves permission to do that. If you need it, let me just go ahead and say it. We'll put it on the screen. It's okay to give yourself permission to feel joy. If you haven't lately, it's okay to give yourself permission to be happy in the midst of rebuilding all the rubble because that's where Nehemiah found himself. All the broken stuff is still on the ground, still a mess, it's still dusty. It's not all put back together, but Nehemiah gives the nation permission. You know what? We're going to celebrate this thing because this thing is good and the joy of the Lord is our strength. Right? Dealing, with, dealing with hard things and feeling joy, those aren't mutually exclusive and some of us look at them that way. I can't have joy until we fix this. I can't have joy until this is done or this is out of my life. Feeling the hard things and having joy aren't mutually exclusive. They can and they must. In the world we live in, if we're going to experience joy, they must coexist. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 Paul is describing how he's trying to be a faithful follower of Christ and a good example to the people he's writing to in all sorts of circumstances. 
Good circumstances and bad circumstances, in troubles, hardships, distresses, beatings, imprisonments, riots. He lists all of these things. Look, I'm just trying to follow after Christ, and some good things are happening to me, and some really hard things are happening to me. I'm going to pick it up in verse 8, 2 Corinthians 6. Through glory and dishonor, bad reporting, good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, and here's our line, sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Sorrowful. Was, was, was he feeling some sorrow or was he feeling joy? And Paul would say, I was feeling both. There were some really good things happening in my life, and I was rejoicing in those, and there were some really hard things that were on my heart and were weighing me down. Paul didn't suddenly arrive at some utopia where he just felt the freedom to have joy. Paul said, I had to find joy in the midst of good times and hard times because they coexist. They live together. It was never either or. If you're waiting... For the right time to experience joy rather than making now the right time to experience joy, you're just never going to experience joy. And when you don't experience joy, you miss out on the strength that we gain from that joy. Or, or for some of us, uh, we may not say it this way, but we live as if joy is just something that's supposed to happen to us. Like one day, it's just going to come on me, and it's going to be there, and it's going to be all over me, and I'm going to feel it, and it's going to be great. Most of the time, joy is not that way. I mean, we get up in better mood some days than others. Right? Things, are, things are going our way more some seasons than others, but joy isn't something that just comes and jumps on you one day. You have to pursue it. You have to realize this is important. Celebration is important experiencing the goodness of other people in my life is important. So Nehemiah says, look, go get some good food. Find some sweet drinks. Get some of your friends together. Hang out with people who bring joy to you. For right now, we're going to experience joy, and that's going to be our strength. Hey, listen, here's something. When it comes to pursuing joy in the world that we live in, you and I have to keep in mind. Joy is an act of resistance in a world determined to be unhappy. Joy is an act of resistance in a world all around us that is determined to be unhappy, determined to be angry, determined to be divisive, determined to find reasons why it's us and them and to point fingers determined to point out everything that's wrong every day with everybody. Joy is an act of resistance. It's the way that we say no to how so many people in the world are living and instead we pursue joy. Now, how do we, how do we begin to pursue after this joy if it's this important? One, look for reasons to find joy. Just, just look for what's already in front of you. Look for what's already there. You, you may have to create some joy. I get that. You may have to plan for joy. I get that. Uh, go get some food. Go get some drinks. Go, go have, find some friends. Set a time to get together. You may have to be proactive in that way. But another part of discovering joy is just ask, well, what's already in front of me that brings me joy? 
that, that makes me happy, that I know is a good gift from God to me. Buddy says, world's greatest coffee, right? Like it's right, the sign is right there. Nobody else is celebrating this. Why is nobody celebrating? It's right there. World's greatest cup of coffee. Which, by the way, I heard, I don't even know if that store is open anymore, but I, I heard they got really tired of people running in and doing that after this movie. <laughs> Nonetheless, it was, it was right in front of you. Everybody else missed it. Well, what are you missing that's right? What's the sign in front of you? That you're rushing past all the time, you're too busy, you got your mind focused on other things, and you need to stop and say, no, this is good, this is, this is fulfilling, I love this about my life, about my relationships, about our family, about, about this season, pursue those things. Now, if you do that, and this is something the movie teaches us, if you do that, you're probably going to stand out in a world determined to be unhappy. You're probably going to look different from people you work with, people you associate with, because, again, most in our world seem determined to be angry at somebody about something at all times. You're going to be different. Your reaction is going to be different, similar to the way that Buddy's reaction was different from the people around him. This, this is the North Pole. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Where's the snow? Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. It's time for the announcement. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. He'll be here to take pictures with all the children. Yeah. Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yes. Can you sign this for me? Oh, hi. Santa's coming. <laughs> okay, maybe you don't want to be that different. And to that extreme, maybe not that different. But man, if you can put your heart on joy, if you can set your heart on things that can and should be celebrated, there's going to be a distinction between you, right? Uh, it, it, we don't have to give all of the examples. Right? Every day we see it, we feel it, and, and let's say there are some heavy serious things happening in our world right now not denying any of that we're not going to list all of them. some very heavy weighty serious i'm not saying we ignore those things i'm not saying we pretend like those don't exist we we have to engage and enter into those things as well but the the, the heaviness of the world that we live in if we aren't careful can consume us can consume us and we can go from negative headline to negative headline to angry response to angry response to frustration to frustration if, we, if every once in a while we aren't willing to see the world in a different way. So not only identify what's already right in front of you and pursue that, celebrate that, 
But another suggestion, identify what brings you joy and prioritize those things. What is it for you? What is your joy list? These are the things that when I do them, I'm fulfilled, I'm happy, I have a better perspective on life. I can go back to facing hard things with a refreshed spirit and mind because I spent some time doing this or I spent some time with these people. Last Christmas kickoff, if you remember, we were out front and I shared some reasons why I really work to pursue joy during this season and, and why it's important to me and why I have to do that. And then the rest of December, I decided just to post every day. This is something that brings me joy. This is something that brings me joy. A lot of people do that in November. It's wonderful. They do like a gratitude post every day. I'm not doing it this year, but last year I just did 25 things. These are things every day. This is something that just brings me a, a little bit of joy. And, and if you haven't thought about that in a while, if you haven't identified those things and after identifying them, prioritized those things, then you need to do that. Nobody's going to do it for you. Your boss isn't going to do it for you. Your schedule's not going to do it for you. You have to be intentional about identifying the things that bring you joy and then getting them on your calendar. Here's something else about joy. Joy is a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue. Not just from the words of Nehemiah. When Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit, uh, which was Paul's analogy for these are the characteristics that ought to be true of somebody who follows Jesus this is what you should become if you're really following Jesus one of the things he points out is joy joy is a fruit of the spirit grumpiness is not by the way if you're not familiar with the list grumpiness isn't in there anger is not in there Joy is a part of what God is trying to build in us through His Holy Spirit. Again, it's not secondary. It's not superficial. Identify that thing or those things or those people that bring you joy and bump them to the top of the list. I've got to make this happen in my life because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Buddy did that, right? Buddy's phrase, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is... I think he'd be disappointed in the way you said that, but I'm going to let it pass. Here he is. Are you enjoying the view? We're very good at decorating that tree. Why are you messing with me? Did Crumpet put you up to this? I'm not messing with you. It's just nice to meet another human who shares my affinity for elf culture. <laughs> I'm just trying to get through the holidays. Get through? Christmas is the greatest day in the whole wide world. Please stop talking to me. Uh-oh. Sounds like someone needs to sing a Christmas carol. Go away. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Thanks, but I don't sing. Oh, it's easy. It's just like talking. Except louder and longer, and you move your voice up and down. I can sing, but I just choose not to sing. Especially in front of other people. Well, if you sing alone, you can sing in front of other people. There's no difference. Actually, there's a big difference. No, th no there isn't. Wait. I'm singing... I'm in a store and I'm singing. I'm in a store and I'm singing. Hey! There's no singing in the North Pole. Yes, there is. No, it's not. We sing all the time. No, it's not. Especially when we make toys. 
See? See? What is it? What is that thing that brings, maybe it's not singing loud for all to hear. What what are those things for you? And when's the last time you've given yourself permission to engage in those things? To get strength from joy. Uh, really, Really quickly, the Bible gives some very specific things that lead to joy. For, for example, we'll, we'll move quickly. Jesus says that obedience to God leads to joy. Obedience, when, when there is integrity between what I say I believe and how I'm living. Right? Obedience, honoring God with my life. Jesus said it this way, if you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. How do, we, how do we find joy? We just honor God with our lives. There's, there's, there's authenticity between uh, this is what I believe and this is how I'm living. Uh, another word from the scriptures, prayer leads to joy. John 16, 24. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Obedience leads to joy. Prayer leads to joy. Um, in, in Romans 15, 13, Paul tells us it's okay to pray for joy. It's okay to ask God to give you joy. Sometimes we get in a, kind of an emotional rut, and like our, our emotions only are going so high, and we're, we're kind of stuck in an emotional rut. Paul suggests, why don't you ask God for joy? When, when Paul is praying for the Romans in Romans 15.30, he asks God to give them joy. He writes, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul's praying for others that they would have joy. And if it's okay to pray for others to have joy, it's okay to pray for yourself to have joy. If this is a season you're struggling, you're feeling those blues that we talked about last week, a little discouraged, a little depressed, it's okay to say, God, help me to feel joy. Show me how to feel joy this season. Uh, Another biblical help, a God-focused life leads to joy, a God-focused life. How do I keep all of those other things from sucking the joy out of my life is remember that central to my life is my relationship to Christ that I walk with him. And these things aren't unimportant, but but there is a relationship in my life that holds everything else together. And I can trust him, and I am walking with him, and I am believing in him. The psalmist in Psalm 16 said, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. I, I, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. I remind myself that he's always with me. I keep him central. And all these other things don't have the power then to steal the joy that comes from my relationship with him. Another thought. Joy and its opposites are contagious. Joy and its opposites are contagious. Uh, If you've ever been around a complainer every day, you start to see the world through the eyes of complainers, don't you? If you've ever been around a critical person day after day, it's just so easy for you to slip into that same criticism that you hear day after day after day. Same thing is true with joy, though. On a positive side, 
If there's somebody in your life that is not superficially happy, okay, they, they are genuinely a person of joy. They brighten the room where they come into. They, they make you smile when you're around. You know how that rubs off on you. Joy and its opposites are always contagious. Like by the end of the movie, everybody's singing, right? Uh, Buddy's dad makes a change. Buddy's brother makes a change. All of these changes begin to happen in people's lives around him. And that's more than a movie. That happens in life. Your disposition, your sense of joy for your life is contagious. Paul writes in 2 John 12, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. Now, you bring your joy, I bring my joy. Let's put them together and our joy will be complete. Let's, let's encourage one another Enjoy. Let's speak to one another in a way that encourages joy in each other's lives so that we both experience strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, the reality is this whole message is coming to you from someone who can be rather melancholy a lot of the time. It's coming to you from someone, and many of you know this, who can be wound tight, worried and anxious, focused and determined and a little bit pessimistic. I need this message more than anybody here. Because in my nature, like the bigger part of Ken on the inside is wound really tight. Hopefully not as tight as I used to be. Hopefully I'm aging out of some of that. My wife just yesterday, she's not in the service so I can say this. My wife just yesterday said, you know, I like Christmas Ken a lot better than normal Ken. She has said on more than one occasion, I like vacation Ken a lot more than normal Ken. I do too. I like that guy. He's just hard to find sometimes in everyday life. Maybe you're not like that. Maybe your disposition is completely different. Good for you. What I'm saying to you, if you're struggling with joy, me too. Like I'm there too. I can be really melancholy. I can be very focused. I can see the negative side of a lot of things. I can get anxious and worried and play the what-if game forever and ever. I can be so wound tight. And that's why I need Nehemiah to speak into my life every once in a while to say, stop it. Right? Just stop it. Press pause. That's going to be there. It's probably not going to be as bad as you think it's going to be. But if you could press pause and step away from it, you would see it through a different lens. You would see it with more hope. You begin to pursue it in a different way. It's our strength. It's what builds us up. It's what gives us hope. Right? My my basic disposition is to always wonder, have I accomplished enough to deserve to take a break? Have I had enough success to deserve to stop and have fun? 
And the Bible over and over again emphasizes, stop thinking that way. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You need it. Stop asking whether you deserve it or not. You need it. We all need it. God, thank you for the gift of joy. Some of us step into it so easily and we bring joy to other people. And, and many of us, just like me, we, we struggle to, to find it, to, to land in it. We, we think we gotta finish the list or, or, or we haven't worked hard enough to deserve it. We're always asking, do I deserve to take a break? Do I deserve? When we just should receive joy as a gift from God in all of his goodness, in all of his glory and wonder as he gives to us things to be celebrated. God, we love that you are a God of joy, a God who sees goodness and celebrates and calls us in to that celebration. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.